0: You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limudim Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. For more information, visit limudim.org or charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Welcome to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast, where we read through the Bible in the chunks or the sections based on the themes that it was designed to be read in so that we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name is Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading Genesis eleven twenty-seven 27 through 14, 24, 68 verses today. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they'll say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, The Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman, and when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh in his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, He went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. Then Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's, The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now, the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. At the time when Amraphel was king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Kedorlaarm, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, these kings went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemabar, king of Zeboyim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Siddim that is, the Dead Sea Valley. For 20 years, they had been subject to Kedoloarmar, but the 13th year, they rebelled. In the 14th year, Kedorlaomar and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephetites in Ashtaroth, Karnaum, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shiva Kiriathim, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir. As far as El Paran near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazazan Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adama, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddim against Kedor Leomar, king of Elam. Tidal, king of Goyim, Armaphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elasar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddam was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot, and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now, Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the, peop- and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedor and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. Then, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre." Let them have their share. Well, here we see the call of Abram. Now, we know in, uh, in modern times that Three major world religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all uh, link back in one way, shape, or form to Abram. And here we see God calling out this one man to bless him. And I don't see a reason why. Uh, God chooses Abram, and he knows why. But God chooses Abram, and he blesses him. He says, whoever you whoever blesses you, I will bless. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And so God puts this special blessing upon Abram. And almost immediately after in the text, we see Abram screwing up where there's a famine in the land and Abram flees to Egypt and and Egypt has to link us to what is coming. It's a little bit of foreshadowing that Egypt is a is a land where God's people are going to be continually tempted to flee in order to save themselves apart from the Lord and Abram goes down to a- to Egypt and and in Egypt he messes up by hatching a plan and, and making things his own way again we see men and and women kind of choosing what is right in their own eyes doing choosing good and evil for themselves rather than trusting what God has said is good and evil and Abram hatches this plan with with his wife and says just tell him you're my sister and otherwise they're going to kill me so he knows he's kind of going into the belly of the beast but he doesn't and I feel you know I feel sympathy for the guy I've been in that position myself where I don't know what's going to happen and I'm trying to hatch my own plans in order to escape and and kind of make it and, but here we see his plan gets discovered and and it, it he ends up getting banished from the land and and, and it doesn't go so well. And so he goes back up to where he started from, him and Lot, and they, they part ways. And then there's this great world war with all these kings, and they'd be tribal kings. These aren't nations that are rising up against each other, but, but you know tribes of people who are rising up against each other. And then there's this big war, and Abram's side is victorious, and he rescues Lot. And then, and then you have this mysterious figure, Melchizedek, who comes... He's the king of Salem. That, that Salem is a, a, a Hebrew. It's, if, if it sounds like shalom, it, it should. It, that wholeness, that peace. Shalom. And, and Melchizedek, the, the priest of Salem, came out to Abram and he blessed Abram. And that raises a million questions that people have pondered for millennia. Who is this guy? And how is he the priest of the Lord? It, it would appear that there are still men and women who are worshiping the the one true God at this time, apart from what we're given in the text. We're just given this little shadow of Melchizedek coming, who is the, the priest of the Lord. And he blesses Abram and gives him bread and wine. And Abram tithes to Melchizedek. He gives him a tenth of everything that he has. And so with everything that we've just read, you see Abram, he is specially chosen by God. He has some redeeming qualities, but he has some qualities that are going to... And immediately in the text, it shows us that Abram, he already messed up. And uh, so he's not the, the snake crusher, but he's going to be used in the line of that snake crusher, that one who is eventually going to come and save God's people, save the world. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure what you're getting out of this text, but I, I do hope that uh, it's encouraging to you to see that even this great father of the faith who is doing his best, I guess, but is still falling short and that God has made a covenant with him that whoever blesses you, I will bless and whoever curses you, I will curse. And so as we wrap up, I just want you to, to ponder those same three questions that I always ask. What is this section of scripture telling you about the character of God? What does this section tell you about who God is and what He's like? Take a minute and think about that. Secondly, what does this section tell you about humanity? You and me, your neighbors, your friends, your family, what does this tell you about our state before God. Take a minute and think about that. And finally, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through His Word today? What is it that He's calling you to change? Is it an attitude? Is it a thought? Is it something that you want to delight in the Lord? And Is it something that's calling, causing you to repentance? Whatever it is, take a few minutes to pray. And I'll see you again right here tomorrow. Until then, God bless.